Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing weekly challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a wild world. That's right. We do our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is episode 22, Walk This Way. All right, challenge wrap-up time. As a reminder, challenges last for 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks. They are simple daily tasks to grow us as men. This previous challenge was to walk after a meal. So after any meal. like a 10-minute walk after any meal in the day. Um, I personally really liked the days that I did this. However, I only did it like three of the 10 days. <laughs> Banjo, what about you? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get too high on my hobby horse. Um, I was I was six for ten, so it was was uh, more than fifty percent. I was twice as good as JJ for those playing along at home, and yet still not twice as tall. (laughs) Uh, Fair, fair, fair. Anyway, we can just end the episode there. We've, We've, I've built yeah. all these episodes up to that moment to, i guess that that's joke. what this was thanks for being on this journey with us this has been a <laughs> this is that's it that's no yeah, more yeah. after that well anyway i can't i can't rise to that i can't reach it it's, we should change our intro high. to welcome to the forging honor podcast where we definitely do not take ourselves seriously <laughs> um but walking yeah. after meals uh what was your experience in this did was there anything you particularly liked about it or anything you didn't like about it banjo uh, well, the, so I tried to walk after, I wanted to get a variety. I wanted to walk after every meal, uh, throughout the week, but I only, I only made it out after lunch and after dinner. And, uh, the lunch, the lunch ones were nice. It was a little bit tricky because working at a school, you don't have a whole lot of time to like slip out, slip back in. Um, so it was a little bit tough to, to do it. But when I did get the chance, I enjoyed it because you know, schools are so loud all the time. I don't know if people realize this anymore, but schools are incredibly loud just because you have so many small, rambunctious, you know, chillins uh, living it up. Uh, and, and so it's really nice to get out and just walk around and to enjoy some peace and quiet for a little bit. Um, the nighttime walk was interesting because – uh, or I should say the post-dinner walk was interesting because we really hit, uh, we're, we're really getting into the fall daylight right now in Western, in uh, central PA. So, you know, uh, a dinner time walk, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago would have been beautiful sunset. You're catching it right as right. Still light, still light outside, all that good stuff. Now it's uh, totally dark. And uh, so it's a, a walk under the stars which uh, at times was quite enjoyable and at times was cold and lonely. But, you know, you get, you got to try it both times. Did you did you do all of the walks on your own? You didn't go with your wife? No, I went a couple with, with my wife. And that was really nice. Um, that we, got to, we got to talk and we, we've gotten into the habit of just, you know, make, it's just the two of us uh, and, and 
we get we're pretty zonked by the time that we get to the dinner time. So often it's, you know, make dinner, which is a chore. Uh, make dinner, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed. You know, it's that right, right. That just simple routine. Um, and I really enjoyed switching it to a more, you know, a little bit more active of a of an ending to the day. How about you? What was what was your experience? Was this all you thought it would be? Um, I mean, yes and no. I've I've done something like this before at one point, uh, and this was my attempt to kickstart me doing it again. I'm definitely going to keep attempting to do this uh, because I I really do like it. I like it a lot, and it's that for multiple reasons. One, like you said, with with my wife, it's a good time to catch up if she goes on the walk with me. Good time to chat. Just even just ten minutes of just. Yeah, there's no screens involved. There's nothing. We're just we're just walking. Um, sometimes we'll put my, you know, if if my wife's going with me, my son goes in the stroller and he loves the he loves the walks. He thinks it's the greatest thing ever to go. And he just says hi to everybody and he points out if a truck goes by, he's truck, you know, he's so excited. Adorable. Um, so it's it's good family time. Uh again, if the family's going with me. And regardless of whether the family is with me, you know, it's, it's some good exercise. One benefit I really found and my favorite meal to go after, cause I've tried every meal. Uh, my favorite one was lunch because I didn't mm. hit an afternoon slump. If I went yeah. on a walk immediately after lunch, I didn't have an afternoon, just total crash where I'm tired cause I ate my food and now I'm, you know, you know how people feel after you've, you've had, maybe you've had a little more than usual or whatever it is. Um, that walk just really kickstarted my afternoon. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of physical, sort of mental, I guess. Physical in the sense that there's some digestion happening there. Um, right? You know, if it's, a, if it's just a 10-minute walk, you're not really burning that many calories. Mm-mm, no. Um, but I think the mental benefits, like, out of that 10 minutes are better than the mental benefits out of, you know, some some longer exercises that people do. Like, it's it, it for me, it was, like, if I was on my own, I would have ideas just coming to me and thinking it was, it was a great, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, we, we live such busy lives, you know, I was, I was noticing going out for a walk, uh, a, I was noticing that I was thinking clearer while I was on the walk. It was like, you know, you, especially for that lunchtime one, you get in such like a rush during the, during the day, the middle of the day that it's like, everything's coming at you a mile a minute. And then you take the walk and everything starts to just slow down a little bit because it's so the walk is so deliberate and it's so um, meandering, and that's good. And it and I feel like it takes the pressure off of existence for a little bit, which is right, nice. Right. But then the other thing I noticed, I don't know if this is your experience, but where I am, there's like no nobody walks anymore. It's so it, I I feel like I might be wrong about this, but I feel like when I was a kid. If my family went for a walk, then you would run into like two or three other families going for a walk and you might like stop and talk with them. And maybe this is just a product of where I live, but I don't see people walking. Interesting. I don't see families walking. It's not like a regular, it's not like a regular thing. I don't well, know if we just lost it as a society. I, I think it's several factors. I think yes you are seeing fewer families, especially fewer young families walking. Mm-hmm. Or if their kids are, they've got school activities, they're out, you know, there's all kinds of stuff happening. I'll often see, you know, an individual walking in my neighborhood or or running. 
but it's clearly for exercise. Like they have exercise gear on. Yeah. Right. It's not just a slow meandering walk for the enjoyment of going on a walk. There is one couple. They take a walk every morning. Yeah. Are they um, older or are they younger? They're probably in their forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, um, so I see them walking, and then there. The other factor I think is the way our neighborhoods are set up. So if you're in a less walkable area, people just don't think of it as an activity to go do, right? Right. I'm in an area where we don't have sidewalks, but we have pretty large roads, pretty wide open. Um, yeah. And then th- there's a neighborhood right next to me where large open roads, very few people are driving on them during the day. So it's a pretty safe area to go for a walk. When I walk through that neighborhood, I see a lot more people out. Yeah. And I think it's a factor of the environment they're in. I also think it's a factor of it's an older neighborhood. And so um, the families that have moved there have either been there a long time and have been walking a long time, or if they are newer families, they they kind of chose that culture a little bit, right? Yeah. Right. They moved into it seeing this is the kind of neighborhood I'm moving into. So I do think it's I, I do think it's a couple of aspects to it. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's um we we live in a pretty rural patch of Pennsylvania. But we have really good sidewalks, open roads. It's a it's a fairly quiet town. Interesting. And I've I don't know, I've always felt like it's the kind of place where I used to see people walking. Could it be I mean, what's the weather like during these times? Um for Pennsylvania, it's it's a quite mild uh quite mild fall right now, I would say. The thing that's weird is we're getting it's like every weekend we have buckets and buckets of rain. It's not mm. usual for this for this but, area. But if it's not raining, yeah, there's no reason not to go yeah. on a walk, I guess. Like it's not crazy cold already. No, no, especially yeah. not for Pennsylvania. Like the thing about Pennsylvania is it's it's not that, you know, it's not that you don't get cold. It's just you know how to handle it better than people in the South. You know, you, you understand the art. No, I, I know what you mean. But like but, they're even there, like there's limits, right? Like Oh yeah, you know, I mean, you here, yeah, I'll throw on a jacket, but eventually it hits a certain point where I, I just don't want to go outside. Like, oh yeah, but you know, that's only for a, a few weeks, really. I I will say the thing that I really missed being in you know going on these walks is the thing, uh, you know, being at Covenant, you had you had so many great hiking trails. You know, yeah. if you wanted to go for a walk in the woods, it just it was a ten minute walk. That was all you had to do, and. I really miss that. I really miss that ability to. I, I don't. I don't think I do really well in wide open spaces. I prefer like, like the closed in, the wooded. Yeah, I like the wooded. I like yeah. going through the mountains. I like you know. I don't. I don't really like beaches. I don't like the sand. It's coarse. It's rough. It gets everywhere. That was horrific. Okay, <laughs> moving past that. Um, was there anything about the walking after meals that? that you would have changed or something you found difficult that you didn't, that you didn't like? Um, hmm, difficult. I think it was just, it's so hard to walk. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get out the door. I mean, it's hard yes. to commit to it. It's yes. hard. It's hard to say because it, it is a step outside of the routine. And I, and I think to me, it kind of exposed the places where I'm, I'm really, Oh, what's the word? Um, complacent. Mm. And there are there are things that I should do that I don't do because once I sit down with my food and my wife and my TV, that's like it. That's like the the, the plug is pulled. Yeah, 
And I, and that's not great. I really don't think that's great. Um, and about once a week I was, I'm like, I'm changing this. This is going to be different. I'm going to, I'm going to do something else. And then the next day I'm back on the couch and it's like, this isn't so bad, you know? And, and just so the, the walk after dinner, I think exposed that for me where I was like, why is this so difficult? This shouldn't be so difficult. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest thing. Also the walking at night was, was a little spooky. I wouldn't say it was really? like difficult, but it was spooky. Oh, interesting. Like what, yeah. what kind of spooky are you talking? Um, there's nobody out and, and it's just. So eerie. Yeah. Eerie is a good word. It's you, you walk out and we have very little light pollution. So you get a really nice look at the stars. Nice. That's awesome. Um, but there's also like, be, you know, the reason there's no light pollution is because we don't have like street lamps, you know? Right. And so you're walking down the street and it's just like black. Just like, dark. Just totally dark. And then you see like one street lamp, you know, a hundred yards away. And you're just walking towards the street lamp. And about 50 yards in, you're like, is there something behind me? I think there might uh -huh. be something behind me. I'm going to look. You know, and it's like that whole thing. And yeah. I've always done very poorly with that kind of a thing. So there were a couple of walks where I was moving very quickly at the end. Where it was just like, this guy, I know, I hear it. Something's, something's right there for me. Something's there. Um. But I also, I think that's, well, yeah, unrelated, unrelated thought. The other thing that's a little eerie about it is because there's nobody out, everybody's in their house. And so you're walking down the road and you're just like peering into people's houses. Well, and you can see right in at night. It's crazy. Yeah. Like some people, I feel like some people don't realize that. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, put some blinds on your windows or something. Please. It's also Halloween season. So around here that definitely added to it yeah that's funny. yeah yeah like i would every time i would walk there's like one house that is just like all graveyards and like a big leering pop-up yeah it's it's spooky in the middle of the night how about you anything you found yeah difficult? like you said just getting out the door committing to it I, I found i had to commit to it before the meal yeah like i because i i think too often especially with my lunches it's okay, I just had this meeting. Let me go eat my lunch. And then I got to come back and, you know, take care of whatever I need to get done. Right. Like my, my mind is thinking about work the entire time I'm at lunch. And so it's hard for me. And this is unfair to my family if I'm eating with them, which I don't always eat lunch with them. But when I do, it's kind of unfair to them to just come in, eat quickly and go. Right. So I think in some way, yeah, that, that, learning to commit to, okay, I'm going to be here for at least this set amount of time and I'm going to do this activity that it, changes things. It kind of requires you to be present in the moment. Yeah. A lot that, more so. That's the thing that I'm, I don't know how, how you are with this, but I, I get so far up in my head from time to time. You know, I might be sitting next to my wife, we're watching TV and I'm thinking about you know, the eight Cormac McCarthy books that I'm reading and, and dissecting and delving into and working on my complex right. literary theory. And she's like, you're not here. And I'm like, but I am here. She's like, no, you're, you're in your, you're in your little world. You're, you're thinking. And I think the walk, because it's, because it's there at the end of the day or it's at the end of the meal. And I know that I'm going to be out of the house. It was something where I thought, okay, so now I need to be more present in this moment. You know? Right. And I need to take this more seriously. So that, I mean, that was interesting helpful. how that works. 
I, I like that. I also like the fact that when you when you're on the walk, just because you're so separated from like it's it's odd. There are so few places in our lives. I was just thinking about this. There's so few places in our lives where we're just kind of on our own and separated from yeah. our devices or separated from whatever. Like maybe maybe I had the phone with me on the walk just in case I need to make a phone call or something. Emergencies. But you know, it's on do not disturb and like I'm not I'm not thinking about it, right? Yeah. Another thing I did recently, and I think this contributed to kind of the benefits I got from the walks, was I used to, you know, I used to always be wearing my smartwatch. I used to always be wearing something for tracking exercise and stuff. Yeah. I was always very concerned with that. Um, and, well, you know, that's fine for if I'm going on a run for the purpose of exercise. But I would be like, oh, if I don't have my smartwatch on, there's no point in going on the walk. Finally, right. I just was like, you know what? That's dumb. I'll, you know, whatever watch I'm wearing, it doesn't matter. Just going to go on the walk. And that, that was, there was a sense of freedom in that because it no longer became something where I was trying to get my steps in or something. Yeah. It was a, I'm going to go on this walk for 10 minutes and just take the time. Yeah. Yeah. I've really fought the watch and, and, uh, track like health tracker apps because I don't, I don't think it's ultimately, I don't think it's helpful. Like I think it becomes, so much of a um, like a performance thing that you you just stop having any fun with the things that are supposed to be fun. Like a run should be fun. Like a like going out on a run should be enjoyable. Well, I mean, here's the thing: I do find enjoyment in the tracking of it. Like there's there's something there about seeing. Yes, I can quantitatively say that I did better on this exercise than this than this other one. But. But like there's it, it but for that me eliminates, I, I put so much self competition out there. No, but but see, I think that that it that swerves into the unhealthy because why why because but running is that you're competing against yourself. Yes, but not all. You need to be able to learn to lose to yourself, right? And there are days when you're going to have a bad run, and you need to, to see the beauty in a bad run just as much as you see the beauty in a great run. The beauty right? is it's done and I can go on and do a better run next time. No, I mean, it's more <laughs> than that. You know, you, 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 you have to see the value in it. Like there's got to be value in the days where you just say like, I, I got out there and that was the main point, you know, or, or you, you go out on a course that is just unforgiving and there's no way that your numbers are going to mean anything. Right, right. You know, like there's value and there's beauty in those things. But if we only... Like I've seen this with so many, especially high school runners who are like, I have to, you know, I have to wear my watch and I have to record the thing. And if I don't record it, then it didn't count. Mm -hmm. And then they get so tied up and anxious about the statistics, mm -hmm. um, about their, you know, about their heart rate and about their beats per minute and about their, uh, their footsteps, whatever. And it just like kills the run. It sucks any joy out of it because they're, they're having to put some sort of like perfect number by it. No, I, I see what you're saying, and it makes sense. And yeah, I mean, at the high school level, right? It, I think a lot of folks don't realize you need to be kind of fighting burnout a little bit, and that can mm -hmm. contribute to burnout. So there's that. I think that there's benefit to those tools, um, and I think that you know if you're trying to be very specific in your training, like that's the best tool we have to offer right now. You know, that there there are reasons we have them. I think what I'm what I'm really getting at is the constant use of it for everything, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Apple Watch takes what the GPS watch of, of last decade 
the the running watch of last decade and turns it into an everything tool. Now you right. can track everything. Right. Right. And I mean, there's the Samsung watch now too. There's a bunch of others, but point being. Is that not terrifying to you? Well, it's that what? That it tracks everything. This is terrible. This is a terrifying Well, that's the other piece of it. There's, there's another, that's a, that's a whole different side that yes, I've, I was, I've thought about that a good bit. Um, but when it comes just to how it affects our everyday lives anyway, we've, we've taken this, what for some people is a hobby, others a lifestyle, et cetera. And we just turn it into this whole, now everybody needs to be tracking their steps and their calories and their, you know, everything. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the, the, the great heroes of old didn't do that. Mm -mm. And no. the great philosophers didn't do that. No. Great thinkers, the poets, et cetera. Now, Marcus Aurelius never would have had, never would have had a smartwatch. Maybe not. I, I do think there is something to, they clearly record a lot about their lives and they're clearly paying attention to what they're doing. Right. So there's, there is something to the tracking in order for the sake of improvement, right? If you just, if you never paid attention to what you were doing, you would never, you would never find the places where you need to improve. Well, that that's, said, so, that's true. so, so I'm not saying you that... have to do it in every aspect, but like, it's clear, like even Marcus Aurelius in his thinking, he's clearly working back through some of his thoughts. Like if you read meditations, he's working back through some thoughts he's already kind of worked through, right? So he's he's tracking that in a sense. Yes, but that is with Marcus Aurelius. Those are philosophical thoughts that he's keeping track of, and not that there isn't value of keeping track of of like physical things. There is, especially if you're you know an elite athlete. But I think that we've we've heard that that healthy people are happy people and that healthy people do this amount of things. So therefore, if I do mm. this amount of things, then I will be a healthy person. Ergo, I will be a happy person. Right? right. Right. And then we never, we never think at all. We, there's no thinking involved in the, in the tracking. It's just, Oh, I, I need to hit this bar. I need to hit this mark and then I'll be happy. Well, and, and that's where you do need to tie that measurement if you're using it into the whole, the larger picture. Right. Yeah. You can't, you know, otherwise, you know, it's like losing, it's the whole losing the forest for the trees thing. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're focused so much on the one measurement of your, your steps per minute on a run or something, mm -hmm. then, and you're freaked out about that, are you actually improving as a runner or you just, you might improve at that one very specific thing, right? And, and maybe that's the thing you do need to improve on. I don't know, but maybe, maybe it's better for a coach to tell you that or, for you to find someone who, who can mentor you in that. Yeah. And, right. and, and the whole healthy, happy thing, you know, I, I, I think you're right. Our culture has taken that to that extent. And so in the sense of, well, if I'm going to be helped, but, but that that's where people are going to try to find their happiness and you're exactly right. They're going to try to take, what they perceive as the healthy thing to do, wearing the the smartwatch and tracking everything. And now I'm a healthy person because I wear the smartwatch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, and that that turns into an issue. But the other thing is, you know, numbers numbers are great. Data's great, but it's only great if you have someone to interpret that data. Like if you you can only make sense of 
statistics if you know how statistics work, right? So, you know, if you go up to somebody and you're like, hey, you have a great VO2 max, you know, if they don't, if they're not a runner and they don't know what their VO2 max is, they're going to be like, what, did I like score points in, in like Call of Duty? I don't know. Um, like you need the, you need the right. ability to understand the information. And when we overload people with, well, here's your, here's your heart rate, here's your footstep, here's your cadence, here's your, you know, here's the number of breaths you took in, in, within uh, 10 steps, you know, like then you're overloading people with information and there's no way to discern uh, what's going on. And I mean, that's a real, right. it's a, it's an enormous problem that we have, not just in the smartwatch world, really, it's probably not a huge problem in the smartwatch world, but just in general, we just have an we have an, an abundance of information, a, 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 a gluttony of, of information. And we have no method of processing. It's it. the information age banjo. Yeah. And we're, we're drunk on it. We are, we are staggering around the world under the weight of this information that we can't so understand. I do think, I do think again, and everything comes back to balance. I, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying about, well, you don't need the Apple watch or you don't need the, the GPS watch or you don't need to track it to and you get enjoyment out of it. 100% you're right on that. I do think the other piece of what you're saying, like you need someone to interpret that information if you want to improve or you want to understand it. Yeah. So, I mean, you see great leaps in athletics, great leaps in athletic potential as we bring technology into the athletic scene, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing things now that athletes 50 years ago just wouldn't have thought possible. We're, we're right on the verge of breaking that two-hour marathon barrier. We're, I mean, that's it's insane. I mean, think about that, – that's legitimately insane. And that's through kind of bringing the tech that we have and also the many resources of the scientists that are telling us, okay, well, if you get your VO2 max here, you'll be able to perform at this level. If you – you know, et cetera, et cetera. But again, they're interpreting that. You've, someone There's a coach somewhere helping out these guys who are accelerating to that level. Right. That's, that's, yeah. So that, that's, that's where I would say the data is very helpful. And if you have a decent understanding of how to interpret it, like I've been in the running world long enough. I know if I go on a run and I take these measurements, I kind of see where I need to improve. Right. Right. So, but if I was trying to do that with, I don't know, rowing, which I've never even sat on a rowing machine. Yeah. I'd kind of be at a loss. I kind of have some general ideas of athletic stuff. So, so I would say, what's the point of the exercise that you're trying to do? Right? Yeah, and and you were telling me you you finally saw Whiplash this week, right? Yeah, this week. wild movie, man. Isn't that <sighs> isn't it amazing? Um, but you know, I, I, Whiplash is a is an interesting case study because you know the talking about you know go go out on a walk and that's an enjoyable quiet thing, right? That's right. a healthy thing to do, right? Um, but but when you start ratcheting it up, when you become dependent on the walk, right? And you say, well, I must, I must do this in order to be happy. Mm. And you obsess about it and you say, well, I have to get, I have to make it this long. I have to make it this fast. I have to be doing this thing. When you make it an idol, essentially, it loses all of its benefit, you know, like in Whiplash, you know, the Miles Teller, Teller character, um, he, you know, loves music until the point that it becomes an idol. And then it, you know, just about kills them. Um, I also want to hear m- much more of your thoughts on that movie, but maybe now is not the, I was just thinking. That no, 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 that's a good example. And especially one that's right there, ready to mind for me. 
Um, I would love to talk about it some other time as far as the movie is concerned. But as far as the example is concerned, the, um, you're exactly right about the, the it turns into an idol. And we have to guard from that no matter the pursuit. Right. I, yeah. I think, I think though, um, I mean, if you're saying that by tracking how far I went on my walk today and noticing that, oh, I got a little further today, that must mean I'm improving at my ability to walk. Like, is that, does that turn it into an idol? No, no, I don't think so. I, I think if you, if you, if your identity becomes, if, if all of who you are and all of your happiness becomes wrapped up in right. improving that, you know, right. that, that would be an idol. And, it, you know, walking's a, walking something where I would find that like difficult to imagine. I'm sure. There's like a retirement group out there somewhere that maybe someone, has that problem. Someone is obsessed with walking. Uh, but like for two, 20 something young men that's probably not going to be the place where we lose ourselves you know yet yet but there are other things you know in our running in our work in our you know maybe leisure activities whatever it may be mm -hmm. you know there's always that thing that starts great and then gets you know idolatrous well it sounds like we're pretty much in agreement then as far as like there are levels to this right there's there's the oh hobby level i don't really get too into into the weeds with it i do it yeah and then there's kind of the i want to i want to excel at this i'm an amateur whatever athlete or maybe amateur pick pick your thing and then that there's kind of your next level of professional and then there's your next level of how no matter how good you are just obsessed like you might be at the hobby level good but you're just too obsessed <laughs> yeah i mean you can you can hit that level of idolatry i think in any of those stages and you can also maintain that love and that that beauty in any of those stages and I think the people who are happy and healthy are the ones who maintain that. Like they, they, they know it's a, it's a, uh, they know it's a calling. They know it's a craft, right. you know. And the people who instead make it their idol, who make it their everything, um, those are those people. I think are the ones that are going to get bit by it, no matter well, what your level of skill is. Absolutely. And I want to confess something to you. I've, I've argued this whole conversation in favor of like, oh, we should use some of this data. While having gone on my last several runs with a simple old digital watch and just keeping track of time, yeah. So, like, I definitely like the the analog stuff and, and going that direction. I think there's just a time and a place for this digital stuff. It's just yeah. not everywhere. Yeah, I I was always a big advocate for. I mean, there's always a time for like the running watch, especially like if you if you're gonna do a splits workout, you know, if you're doing anything where it's like a 400 repeat. You gotta have a watch. I mean, that's usually help that. Well, and that's great for the digital thing. Yeah. yeah, but if you're gonna do one of the things that I think is is key for runners, I don't know how this trans translates to other sports, but I think it's key for runners to get into the feel of things mm. and for them not to be reliant on something digital uh, or something numeric, because once you get into a race, so things are gonna go wrong. And you need right. to be able to listen to your body and, and listen to that. Well, Banjo, Banjo, I want to take us back to college real quick and just look at your, your style of running been, versus my, my style. My record's been very clear on this. And, uh, and, and yes, you're exactly right. Things will go wrong. But the, <laughs> you, who used a digital watch for a long time, um, those things sometimes went much more wrong than the things that went wrong with uh, some folks that were using their GPS watches. So just as a case study, I'd be careful with that. Well, are you thinking of a specific race? 
a few. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> point point being, you're exactly right. It's very but important I, for runners. I knew to get how I was field. feeling. I knew how I was feeling when you were beating me, JJ. I, I was aware fair. of That's my body. <laughs> um, point being, you're exactly right. It's good for runners to get in the field. Good for any athlete to get into the feel of what yeah. they of what they do. I think the best time and place for like a GPS watch are if you are doing a longer run and you're trying to hit certain paces. Yeah. Then you can know you're you're hitting those paces, right? It's a, it, it can be used as a tool to push yourself, um, rather than kind of call yourself in your runs. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we've gone on a long tangent about running specifically, but I think this conversation kind of applies to, yeah, the walking conversation, or maybe it's lifting, or maybe it's growing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, any athletic pursuit, but I think it can also apply to kind of back to Marcus Aurelius a little bit, um, to the process of of your own thinking or writing philosophy, et cetera. I think some people, um, and I'm very guilty of this, become very obsessed with their, like their note-taking systems or how they're going to track their information, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That becomes uh, a similar crutch to say the GPS watch, right? There's all the, there's these great note-taking apps now. Yeah. So people go full digital. That's really great. And that's a different conversation to have, but I think, I think you can kind of take some parallels there. Um, and now we're yeah. gonna, I'm, I want to circle this all the way back around to walking eventually. I think I think at the ultimately, regardless of whether it's the whole hobby or amateur professional or how how obsessed you are, I think regardless of how you're how you're trying to track that or how you're whether or not you care to track it or or anything along those lines. If you can find benefits in it, you know, you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I think one of the values of, of the walk, probably the biggest one that I got out of the whole thing, was that it gets you out of your bubble. You know, it gets you out of this, the walk kind of like breaks this loop where, you know, whether you're in your home or when you're you're in your office or, you know, wherever it is, uh, it's really for us in the modern age to go from, from, from kind of locked place into our car, which is a locked place, over to our office, which is a you know closed loop. We know the people that are going to be in there every day. We know the routine. You go from that back into your locked space in the car, head back home, and you're back in your your closeted space. You know you know everything that's going to happen in there, and it's it's really easy, I think, for us to just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat mm -hmm. and that's fine but i think i think the pressure starts to build up and i think you start to think it gets really easy to start to think that this is all the world there ever is and nothing exists outside of this world um and i think the walk is helpful because it breaks you out of that loop and it and it moves you out of that space just as a daily routine it, it moves you out into the open um and into the real world and outside and then into nature and into the elements and you start to realize, okay, so the, the place where I am is not the only place that exists. The people that I see are not the only people that exist. Um, and you become much more aware, I think, of kind of your place in the world. And I think that's really healthy and useful because it, it reduces, at least for me, it reduced a lot of stress, I think. Yeah, likewise. I think that's a great place to, uh, to wrap this up.
on to the next challenge. As a reminder, challenges last for 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks. They are simple daily tasks to grow us as men. This next task uh, is brought to us by Banjo. So this particular challenge is going to tie more in with our episode from two weeks ago um, and requires a small story to, to kind of get us into it, as mine often do. Um, this week, I was uh, teaching a class, um, and I like to ask questions at the beginning of my classes to get the kids uh, thinking about things. And so one of the questions that I asked this week is just, who's your favorite musician? And uh, the kids you know, gave their responses, and I didn't know any of them. Um, and then they were like, Mr. Jones, who's, who's some of your favorites? And I was like, well, and I told them some of the genres that I liked. I was like, you know, I like blues rock, or I like, you know, I like rock and roll and classic rock. They're like, what's, what is classic rock? And I was like, what do you mean, what's classic rock? Uh, they're like, I, we don't know. I was like, don't you know any of these people? Like B.B. King, Jimi Hendrix. They're like, who's Jimi Hendrix? And I was like, you don't know who Jimi Hendrix is? They were like, we have no idea. And I flipped out. Uh, so I pulled up. Gave them all Fs and kicked him out of class. I, I, I threatened. I threatened. Anyway, I pulled up YouTube and I, I showed them Jimi Hendrix, you know, the, the national anthem in Woodstock. Classic, classic guitar bit. Um, and I was, of course, very excited about it. And they listened to about eight seconds of it. And they were like, this is the worst thing we've ever heard. And I was offended. I was, I was deeply offended. I threatened them all with, with uh, stacks of homework and course they didn't budge but i was thinking about it later and i was trying to figure out like what was going on and i realized that the kind of music that they listen to is all electronic it's all stuff that you mix on a computer and you you know you cook up on these different apps and stuff like that not that there's anything wrong with that but the kind of music that somebody like Jimi hendrix or bb king or you know fill in you know like billy joel whatever the kind of music that they're playing is music that requires an insane amount of skill and time and talent and discipline to develop and to build. Um, and I think you can only really appreciate that to some extent when you've, when you slow down and you've examined someone who's just a master of their craft, who is just excellent at everything that they do. Um, and obviously Jimi Hendrix is someone who is a master of his craft. He is, he has mastered the guitar at least his particular form of the guitar. Um, and I think we've, we're losing our ability to appreciate that just in general in the world. This is not, skill is not something that we appreciate. And, and taking the time to build something is not something that we appreciate because we live in such a digital age where it's so easy to build something um, in a digital space, in a virtual space. Um, and so my challenge for the week is to spend time examining works of great beauty and of great skill. So uh, the idea would be pick a, pick a song, pick an album, um, maybe sit down, don't do anything except listen to the thing and examine all of its parts, like figure out why the music works. What's mm. the, what's the instrument that's, that's playing there? Um, how is, how is the guitarist, using the guitar what what kind of chords is he using um what's the what's the finger picking style you know you listen to um listen to mozart figure out how his symphonies work you know take the time to to listen to it and break it down 
you know, or you could do this with a, with a movie or with a piece of art, you know, how is the director using the camera? Um, take time to look up on YouTube, what a, what a Dutch tilt is, what a, what a dolly zoom is, um, figure out how the nuts and bolts of the, of the art works. Hmm. Um, and I think, I think you can do this with anything, writing, art, poetry, uh, music, dance. Um, but I think it's really worthwhile. And I think it's really something that we're, we're missing. This is kind of like the inverse of the, of the craft, um, challenge that we did where we were spending time working on our craft. This is like, flip it, start, you know, become an apprentice for a week. Um, right, right. And, and learn, learn a craft, um, for a week. I think that'll be really cool. I do think with the movie, if you do a movie one, that will be harder for some folks to, because we're so used to, to just kind of passively watching a movie. Yeah. Right? Um, so that one would be harder for me for sure. A music one will be interesting because it'll be so, it, like, it's relatively easy to take it from, you know, I listen to music in the car. That's pretty much the place I listen to music. Um, I'm doing something else. I'm driving or I'm, I'm you know, thinking about other stuff taking the music and sitting and intentionally listening to it, that's such a change of, of pace for it. That'll be, that'll be interesting. So I'll probably end up doing some music stuff. I could see doing some visual arts and taking the time to look at some visual arts, but I guess I prefer to see them in person. So, you know, I don't know. Um, but I really like this. It's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, I, if, if folks are interested in the movie stuff, I can put that on discord or I can, I can uh, maybe on the website. Um, that's something I've spent a lot of time, digging into so i'd be happy to help with with that um but jj i'm gonna have to come to you for music stuff because you know a lot more about that than i do just sit and listen to it exactly what you said soak it in it's enjoyable stuff anyway looking forward to it This has been the Forging Honor Podcast. Music and production is by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a rating to bring others into the Forging Honor journey. On our website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as links to the many resources we mentioned in the show. And we do make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links, so thank you in advance. Thanks for taking the time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of forging honor. We'll see you next time.